This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Look, we love our city, but we don't love everything about it. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, myself, Scott, Sonia, and David sit down to dish on the buildings in Las Vegas that we hate. So listen in and let us know if we got it completely right or horribly wrong. It's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. All right, today's episode, we're going to talk about buildings we hate in our fair city. <laughs> I'm here today with our newsletter editor, Scott Dickensheets. Hi, Scott. Hello. Lead producer, Sonia Cho Swanson. Hi, Sonia. Hello. And then, of course, our lovely co-host, David Figler. Curmudgeon of buildings checking in. David Figler here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do rapid fire, y'all. What are the buildings that we hate? Okay, I have a couple, but the one uh, building that I hate the most is probably the Supreme Court slash appellate court uh, annex down here in Southern Nevada downtown. So I call it the Supreme Court building down here. It's horrible. And I'm going to outrage a lot of uh, old timers here by picking the Flora Dungan Humanities Building on the campus of UNLV. Ooh, college buildings are pretty much always the worst. <laughs> I'm going to go with Tivoli Village, which is that shopping complex on uh, Charleston and, and Rampart. Yeah, that's that's my pick. <laughs> yes. Sonia, tell us, why do you hate this building? Okay. First of all, just a caveat, there are a lot of wonderful small businesses within Tivoli Village that I really do love and enjoy. Um, so no shade to them. Great cafes, little restaurants, and so forth. However, they are housed in a Disneyfied monstrosity <laughs> It's, it's said to be modeled after a 1400s, like, Italian village or plaza. And, like, you know, yes, there's some walkability and, like, a big fountain. They've got, you know, colorful painted facades. But there's something a little bit too even about it. It's kind of, like, in that uncanny valley space of, like, wait, is this, is this like, a village or is this Disneyland? Like, are we going to peel back a cover and see some mechanical cranks whirring, you know, behind the scenes here. Are those actually windows that look into a room or is it just like a warehouse space, you know? Um, that There's just something off about it that makes me feel weird every time I go. Mm. I love the little roundabout and I love the fountain. <laughs> well, the fountain is nice. The fountain is very nice. And I don't know. I Have you guys been to Tivoli Village? Oh, I go there all the time. Uh, all the time is a stretch. I I lose my magical powers anytime I get far away from downtown Las Vegas <laughs> or the core of Las Vegas. But on occasion, I head to the west side and I'll either hit Boca Park, which is across the way from Tivoli or Tivoli itself. And there's some great things inside Tivoli, but 
I'm I'm on I'm on Team Sonia on this one. It's it's not the most beautiful of uh, suburban sites. Let's put it that way. Scott, have you ever been? I have never been to Tivoli Village, so I don't really have an opinion about it, except to say, like on the one hand, I appreciate an effort to to upgrade the standard issue strip mall uh, sure. in some way, shape, or form. But I do agree that you know there's something sort of uh, like weirdly slippery about sort of like over identifying with some some old historical realm that you can't really recreate, but yet you're trying mm. to evoke it in some way that's kind of at odds with the reality of today and what that and what the space is being used for. Right. There's a couple of like bars that both places like AJ has hosted Geeks Who Drink in two of the bars that are in that space. So it's like you have these modern businesses, but then there's like, I think Leone Cafe is in there. And then I love that they do the dancing. Like there's different dancing that occurs outside in that courtyard area. And that's my favorite thing about it. I am liker of things that are uh, (laughs) not tasteful. (laughs) You know, but what got me thinking is like, I don't mind like the Disney-fied facade fakeness of like the New York, New York or like, you know, the Paris or other places on the Strip because I think I know to expect it. Mm. But out in Tivoli Village, there's just something that feels really jarring. Like it's maybe that it's trying too hard without admitting that it's trying too hard. Is that part of it maybe? Without attributing intelligence to buildings, I will say (laughs) that something like, you know, like New York, New York or Luxor or Excalibur, they're kind of in on the joke. There's a self-awareness. They yes, know that they're not exactly. really, they're not really, you know, an Arthurian castle. But I think there's a, you know, sort of a weird earnestness about places like, you know, Tivoli, as I as I understand it, that sort of has that weird, just, there's as you say, an uncanny valley effect to it. Right, right, right. Like you're, like you said, Scott. I think that like Caesars and like Luxor and New York, New York, they they own the kitsch, right? They own it. Right. And exactly. Tivoli's not there yet. <laughs> Go to therapy, Tivoli. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That's a great shift. (laughs) So as we talk about all these poor buildings whose feelings are now being hurt, uh, Figler, tell us about the building that you hate and why. So everyone was excited to see a new courthouse building come downtown. And, you know, in 2017, we got to see what they came up with. Oh, what a disappointment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it embraced this sort of pseudo neoclassicism, which is not a building structure that you see anywhere other than maybe Tivoli Village. Outside <laughs> of in ye oldie times of of buildings, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so incongruous to all the buildings that surround it, all the very modern buildings, all the the new, larger, bigger justice centers. It really sticks out. And while there's a really clever dome on top with Lady Justice wielding sword and, and, and scale, um, I think that I was not the first, uh, but I definitely jumped on the bandwagon of comparing it to a, a few of our local uh, adult uh, entertainment facility. <laughs> it looked like a strip club. <laughs> this does not fit in downtown Las Vegas. Oh, now, man. inside, it's a beautiful building, and it's a great chambers. You know, I've I've argued a case there now, and and the basement is beautiful as well. But from the outside, it it kind of looks like a silly thing. That's a very confectionery quality, and it always reminds me of those of those videos where you you know the lens is trained on something, and then someone cuts into it, and it's actually cake. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the sort of vibe I get from that building. 
It's like, I mean, it was really expensive, and I believe it was built by the same people who did Tivoli Village. No. So I'm really not surprised that those elements are there. But look, I've been all over the state of Nevada. I've been in courthouses, uh, new and, and mostly old, and they all kind of leave you with a little bit of a, you know, a tingle if you're into the concept of justice and law and how things are made. <laughs> Some fare better than others, but this one really sticks out as just being an ugly building. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, Justice Hardesty. I know you had a lot to do in the planning of it, and I respect the man, but not his skill as a designer. Per, per your Kate comment, Scott, listeners, please do not show up at the courthouse with a knife to try oh, no, cutting into in the <laughs> building. It is not cake. Not actually cake. It is not heavily cake. armed. Yes. So, Scott, tell us about this building on UNLV's campus. And what's it called again? It's called the Flora Dungan Humanities Building. And a lot of people who have gone to UNLV still have an affection for it. People who love, you know, sort of mid, mid-modern, you know, it was built in 1970. So people who like that sort of confluence of international style and brutalism and so on have an affection for it. And you'll see, you'll see web pages devoted to, like, appreciating that building amongst other examples of that style. But to me, it's just so, for one thing, it's just so blandly brutalist and blandly international. It's a very drab (laughs) iteration of those ideas. Now, I don't hate it as much as I used to. Um, I do sort of have come to appreciate, for instance, those pylons that hold up the, you know, at the the street facing end of it. Those are kind of cool design touch. Hmm. But it, it it has really aged more badly than I have, which is saying something. So, and I wouldn't even mind it so much if it wasn't, A, the biggest building on campus, which it is, and B, right there in what passes for the entrance to UNLV. So this is what what you get when you approach UNLV proper is this really old, square, not very distinguished building, in my, <laughs> in my opinion. So I think both its look and its sort of, its positioning sort of, you know, ding it for me. I'm going to actually disagree, Scott. I kind of like this building. I kind of like the Flora Duncan Humanities building. There's something kind of elegant about it to me. And to me, it's passed from being dated into being kind of classy. You know, the the cycles have turned. And what is old is cool again now. You know, it it kind of reminds me of the the return to, like, you know, as you were saying, mid-century modern kind of aesthetic in furniture. the, The furniture that sits up on its legs kind of, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Similarly, that building is kind of up and elevated a little bit so the vacuum can fit underneath, you know. Right. And jumping in on the nostalgia part, uh, I'm going to be on Team Sonia on this one, too. Um, yeah. I, Sucking up. Here's, yeah, I know I am. <laughs> but here's what the, the Humanities Building reminds me of a lot of buildings that are no longer in Las Vegas. A lot of Mm. buildings that were built around the same time that I did love and enjoy where they were throughout the valley, mostly downtown, just disappear. It's a bit of a dysfunctional nightmare on the inside. Uh, I could see where you're coming from, Scott, but you know, it it is kind of a a pay on to another time in Las Vegas and it's sad to see those buildings go. So while we have one, I, I like hanging on to it. So there you go. I, I don't disagree with you, but I also don't agree with you. I mean, I've lived here for I've lived here for five decades. I'm not, you know, I have seen the buildings come and go, and I'm not anti-preservationist by any means whatsoever. But I think this is just a very dowdy building in my eye, and mm-hmm. um, you know, if they tore it down, I w- it wouldn't really bother me that much. Ouch! 
<laughs> well, uh, facts on facts. Well, I mean, that brings to, to the table, like, when we were talking about this subject with Layla, our, our producer, she was saying that building has like a asbestos warning on it. Like usually at <laughs> oh, some no. point in the year, the sign disappears and then it reappears. And she's like, what is happening? Why like this building consistently has asbestos and then it doesn't have asbestos and then it has asbestos. So what is happening? <laughs> Another yeah. magical gift of mid-century building in Las oh, yes. Vegas. So magical. Right. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. Okay, so we we know Vegas tends to tear down or implode our structures. Um, but I wonder, and I know, David, you talked about this a little bit, but like, which buildings do we hate, but we hate to see go because they're canon. They're part of our Vegas history. And that's when I go right back to Circus Circus. There's not a discussion online or probably in person where the topic of what's the next casino to go because, you know, we've imploded so many mm. that everyone's like, oh, Circus Circus time has come and gone. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't serve a purpose anymore. And even though I believe it's still a moneymaker for whichever company owns it at any given time, it, it is unique. Uh, you know, the, the whole circus tent as casino idea, just so very different. And I, I have a lot of fond memories for, for good and bad reasons <laughs> at Circus Circus growing up here as a kid and even as an adult. Um, you know, would would the Las Vegas economy take a huge hit if the Circus Circus were replaced with a bigger better property probably not but would we lose something that we route that we probably couldn't replace uh with the 1960s era circus circus absolutely i mean i you know with all due respect to the new casinos that pop up like resorts world etc i mean it is very what's the word homogeneous on the strip these days it's not like when architects used to come from all over the world to write about how cool and interesting and you know, the postmodern future from Las Vegas is, um, I don't think they're saying that anymore about these buildings that go up in, in the ways that they, they mm. are and they look. So I, I wrap my, my, my big arms around the circus tent at Circus Circus. Don't, don't let anything happen to this baby. And I, and I agree with you on that. And, you know, I have my own set of, of fond memories, but, but also I sort of rue this turn on in strip architecture towards this you know, tasteful architectural set pieces that all look like corporate headquarters that could go in Houston. <laughs> and, mm. you know, which so many of them do. I mean, you take 
the win name off of the win, and you wouldn't know it's a, a Vegas casino or resort. That seems to be what's replicating now, and I I regret that too. I I like the funky cartoon texture, as I call it, of hmm. some of the other places much more. <laughs> I mean, the Luxor is not a pretty building, but I get it. <laughs> you know, it's it's different enough to fit in. Absolutely, it's an icon of, of the of the skyline now. I can't imagine the skyline without it. Hmm. As is the goofy stratosphere. <laughs> what do you think, Sonia? I've actually been debating whether or not to say this out loud because, <sighs> oh my goodness, please don't come after me. What I'll say is I've never found the Huntridge Theater to be a beautiful building. Wow. Forgive me. <laughs> but but it is historically important. I love that they're bringing it back to life, and I think it is canon, and I'm so glad that it is that it is being revived right now. However, you're being a lawyer now. <laughs> I'm just saying, yes, I know I'm splitting hairs. I, I don't know. I just it ain't pretty. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna support you on that one again. Oh, Sonia. really? We're, like, we're three for three. Oh man. I, I have a very personal connection with the Hunters Theater. It is in my neighborhood. I went to movies there when I was a little kid. I performed there as a young adult. It's on Charleston and Maryland Parkway. It, it's on some historic registers. It does have some significance, uh, especially as it relates to integration in our community. Hmm. Um, it's not a pretty place. It never really was. It it it, it had lost the luster of an of an old movie house a long time ago. Mm. And I appreciate whatever Jay Dapper, the new developer of that property is going to do. And I'm sure it's going to be something beautiful, but it's not like one of those theaters in other towns that people clamor around because of its, you know, gorgeous movie palace nature. Right. It, it was kind of pedestrian. It's a, it's a white cinder block shoebox, essentially. Yeah. Architecturally, the only yeah. thing going for it is that tower. Oh yeah. There's a tower. And it used to have this beautiful interior uh, that I recall, but that's all been gutted a long time ago. That's mm. that's just not there anymore. This sort of marble, um, you know, entryway. But yeah, too many punk rock shows. Too much Fugazi for five bucks. <laughs> right. AJ has definitely told me stories of his like youth, his you know teenage days of figuring out ways to get into that space, um, and then as he got older, going to shows there. But. Yeah, I think like 2014, I performed at a show like out in that front parking lot for like Save the Huntridge. I was just like, yeah, it's important to AJ. I'll read some poems on behalf of this building. <laughs> and then uh, the the joy, the joy that came from my entire uh, my, my party of humans after we after we performed was super interesting and fun. So, yeah, I'm OK with those places. But, you know, that just goes to show that even even aesthetically unattractive buildings are really important to us sometimes they can they can have meaning beyond their beyond their looks what, scott what what is your what is your building you hate but you don't want to see go i guess it would be the old city hall that's now the zappos building oh good one hmm. like i i really really dislike that what is that 12 story cold shoulder that it turns toward downtown <laughs> i mean it's just it's big blank emptiness that has sort of an arrogance about it, I thought, when it was at least when it was <laughs> City Hall. And they tried to put an artwork on it at one point, and that was a disaster. Oh, and, no. Yeah, there's a story there that we'll go into on some other podcast. But yet, you know, it is uh, both in terms of wayfinding, like you know where you are in relation to that building when you're downtown. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's like kind of an irreplaceable part of the skyline now. And 
you know, there was a lot of important business came and went through that building. So that's probably another reason to argue for its preservation. You know, it also housed the city jail at one point, mm-hmm. and I what? think there's still jail cells in the city hall building. No. It also had the court, and I'll tell you back. Sorry, my personal connection when I was when I was a municipal court judge for that brief time in the early aughts, um, that was the building where I presided. Wow, sir. And it has that nice courtyard with the sort of open air, you know, or the opening through the top that uh-huh. I like and. Oh, I haven't been inside. I didn't know there was a courtyard. Oh, the courtyard's gorgeous. But I, I think we would be remiss talking about the old city hall if we don't give at least one comment on the new city hall. Uh-oh. I am not a fan of the new city hall. I think it looks like <laughs> the headquarters of a mildly prosperous you know, dry goods company. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't look... Nothing about it to me says, you know, city business you know, conducted at a high level here. All are welcome. I don't say that either. Although I do like the little forest of uh, solar trees out front. That's kind of cool. Hmm. I'm going to give a fun fact now. When the TV show Parks and Rec needed to portray a city hall to represent the uh, opulent and reckless spending of their neighbor Eagleton oh, in yeah. Indiana, they flashed a shot of our city hall. <laughs> That's no true story. Way. Yeah, they're like, now here's Eagleton so stupid with their money. Here's their city hall. And it was our city hall. That's so, hilarious. Oh, Pawnee. Yeah, that was uh, sitcom yeah. history. Las Vegas is cemented in it. Nice. Eagletonians. That's who we are, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sonia, David, and Scott, thank you so much for making time to make... I don't know, a mockery of the <laughs> architecture in our fair city. <laughs> well, we're much maligned, but I think no one does it better than people who live here. <laughs> we can right. also celebrate buildings, too. I'm looking forward to the podcast where we celebrate the buildings we love the most. But this was way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Vogue. Thanks, Vogue. Before you go, here are some things you should know. With all the election-watching eyeballs glued to the tight statewide races, you might have missed the fact that North Las Vegas has elected its first black mayor, Pamela Goins-Brown, who, when she takes office, will also be the only black mayor in the state. What? Also, the Starbucks outlet at Rainbow and Oki has become the first Las Vegas store in the chain to join the nationwide effort to unionize. In a letter to company CEO Howard Schultz, the store's workers say no changes have been made to create a safe work environment. We might have to start getting our lattes from somewhere else. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. So what did you think of our list? Did we get it right? Speak up on Twitter or leave us a voicemail at 702 514-0719. Then go send this episode to the most famous person in Las Vegas you know. Major, major bonus points if someone sends this to Mayor Oscar Goodman. Just saying. Don't forget to subscribe to our amazing morning newsletter. The link is in the show notes. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon.
Clickety click click wave. Check wave. Check wave. All good. Hey. Blah blah blah. Okay. Check wave. That's funny. 